what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name's Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and the offseason is here! I'm very excited that uh, the offseason has arrived, but that doesn't mean the Buckets ends. On today's show, we're going to do a little bit of a look back. We're going to look at some betting takeaways from the 2022-23 NBA season uh, with your Denver Nuggets, now the reigning NBA champions. Uh, we will look at what we can learn about the Nuggets run. We will look at the value in the market for them right now. We will look at some big picture stuff that we learned across the season. Um, and to do that, to help me, is NBA Futures Analyst. Who better? NBA Futures Analyst, Brandon Anderson, king of the ROI. Um, Brandon, how's your offseason going? You know, we have only we've only just begun to fight. What's the Nathaniel Hale quote? I've not yet begun to fight. Sure, we'll do that one. We're just starting. The draft is coming. We're under a week out from the draft, a, a week further than that, uh, free agency. All the breadcrumbs are, are starting to drop now. So it's misinformation season, which is always fun, trying to sort through everything, figure out what's what. We got, you know, it's Friday as we're taping this. We got like three news dumps on a Friday morning. We got John Morant news finally. We know what's happening there. We got uh, a new coach hired earlier this week. Was that this week? Toronto's coach, a dude I've never heard of before, if I'm being totally honest. So, yeah, we are in full swing. And uh, I- I'm kind of still in in victory lap, Nuggets celebration, heat vanquishing mode. So, yeah, it's, it's a good week. But yeah, so a uh, programming note, you can continue to catch WNBA episodes throughout the week here. You're going to want to check those out. Uh, I got to get a cop on WNBA, and then I'm hoping to be on some of those podcasts as well with Mary Marino and our guy Jim Turvey, the warlord of WNBA betting. I'm going to have an Intel report. I'm recording this on Friday around 1 o'clock Eastern. Over the weekend, as you're grilling or hanging out or doing whatever, check out the Action Network app. You need to track your bets. It's the best way to track your bets. You get all of our great information. You get all of our live shows. You get all of our podcasts. Uh, and you'll be able to read my Intel report. I'm going to have Brandon spoke about the misinformation. I got some sweet, sweet misinformation. No, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty careful about what I, what I put out there. Um, stuff that I've heard from the last couple of weeks about free agency, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, as well as a ton of stuff on the draft as we get closer to it. Um, uh, there is stuff that, that make this actionable and fun. So make sure to check that out over in the action network app well, on today's show. We're going to do 10 questions. I got 10 questions for Brandon that relate to the 2020 three NBA season from a betting perspective. And we're going to start with the reigning defending (laughs) NBA champion, Denver Nuggets uh, at FanDuel Sportsbook. The Denver Nuggets are the favorites to repeat as champion as to be expected. Plus 460 is the percentage there. The number there in the market for them. Um, The Nuggets are the favorites. So Brandon, let's just go ahead and start here. Should the Nuggets be the favorites? to start next season we'll start with that question and then the second question is should you bet it but let's start just with 
Is it right that the Nuggets are favorites in the market to repeat next year as NBA champs? Yes, the Nuggets are the correct favorites right now. This was a great run. And look, we got to consider the context. We always have to consider the context. That's not an asterisk. That's just what did we just watch? What we watched is that Denver beat up on teams, whoever it was they faced. They went 16 and a four. They lost four games the entire postseason. Four. That, that is the best record, I believe, this century, other than one of those Warriors teams that had the, or maybe both the Warriors, the Kevin Durant cheat code Warriors teams. Other than the cheat teams, the Nuggets had tied for the best record of any run that we've seen since the Lakers three-peat in the start of the century. They had a plus eight net rating, which is the eighth best of any playoff team since 1997 better than all those LeBron Heat teams that we had. It is better than most of the Spurs teams along the way. They had 118 offensive rating, better than 118, closer to 119. 119 is the all-time regular season record. They just did that in the postseason. So the record is unimpeachable at this point. Did they lock into playing an eight seed out of the East that had a star missing, well, a, a score missing and an injured star. Yes, of course. They got some luck there. I think that, I mean, look, that, that's just the case. But there was talk before the postseason. We, I mean, look, this was ridiculous the whole way. We did the whole like, oh, can Nikola Jokic win in the postseason thing? Here's Nikola Jokic's record now in the postseason. As a series favorite, he's five and one. As a series underdog, he's three and three. As an underdog, he's won three of the six times. You're not supposed to do that as an underdog. That includes once this season against Phoenix, because remember, the Suns were good. We decided they were good. That counts as a real win for the Nuggets. The Suns were favored. That counts. You can't change later. Breathe. Okay. Why are the Nuggets the right favorite for next year? Nikola Jokic is the best player in basketball, or at the very least, he's a top three player in basketball. You have that. We already knew we had that. We already knew that that was there. If you were being honest with yourself, you knew Jokic was that good. To me, my takeaway as a better is not about Nikola Jokic. He was already this good. My takeaway is Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray's run this postseason, for me, is why they are the title favorites. Not Jokic. Of course, Jokic. Like, he has to be there. But we already knew he was this good. He's been this good for three years. He's been this good in the playoffs the whole time. Jamal Murray is a second legitimate star now. You and I have been texting our top 15, 20, 25 NBA player rankings list. Jamal Murray is in that list for me now. He's in that like 15 to 20 range. He, for me, is probably either the, the best or second best second banana star now on a team. It's, it's either him or Devin Booker. I'm going to give Booker the the nod there. He was incredible this postseason. So no shame there. But if you have the best player in the world and possibly the second, the best, second best player in the world, it's a league of stars. You're the favorite. That's it. And on top of it, a lesson that I learned this season, a takeaway that I should have noticed and thought of, and I wish that I did in time, the West just isn't very good right now. And the Nuggets are the class of the West period. The East didn't work out the way we thought. We'll get there. But there are a lot more contending teams in the East. We're going to talk about all the West teams and who gets there and who's in contention. You're all contending for the Nuggets crown. That's it. It is the Nuggets alone with a bullet, number one, teardrop, maybe a couple, 
and then everyone else in the West. And that is the thing that I feel like I missed a little bit this year that I felt like that throughout the year. And if that's the case, you're in the finals. If you're in the finals, you might get to play the heat or you might just beat another team that you could beat anyway. So yes, they're the favorites because they are the best team anyway with the best two-star pairing anyway. And they're in what is right now the weaker conference. I agree with all that. You know, I think the combination of whenever they, that you face the Nuggets, are you going to have the best player in the series? Unless you are the Milwaukee Bucks, where Giannis could be the best player in the series, um, the answer is probably no. Um, if you're the Warriors, could Steph Curry be the best player in the series? Maybe. Maybe. Those are the only two guys I'm willing to put there. Yep. Those are the only two guys. I have removed KD. I, I had KD in that tier. I am now moving him down. Um, I think the Suns are going to are going to be a team I'm talking a lot about this summer, but for right now, I'm moving KD down that to that next tier. And so you, you're facing this team and they have the best player. Okay. You talked about the second best player in Jamal Murray. For me, it's like, go on down the list in yep. terms of, and I wrote a lot about this during the playoffs and I'm going to continue to talk about it. The playoffs are about solving problems and the nuggets. Not only do they have solves for what you do, but they have so many problems that are very difficult to solve. You know, it's hard to solve size. That's hard to yeah. solve. You can't get bigger. Like if all your guys are six, five, Caleb Martin, Haywood Highsmith, Duncan Robinson, all these guys, six, five. If you don't have bigger dudes, you can play. Denver's going to body you. If you go big like Minnesota, who Nuggets fans will tell you the toughest challenge they faced was legitimately the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like there is a lot of respect from Nuggets fans for that Wolves team <laughs> and how they played. We're, we're not going to get a Wolves howl from you on that one. Oh, okay. There we go. How did the Wolves compete size? Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, they would have had Nas Reed had he not been hurt. They've got a lot of big bodies to be able to throw at him. If you don't have that size, you're already in danger. But if you go too big, and you don't have the spacing, you can't keep up with their offense because they generate a good amount of threes and they have such quality shooting. So Denver has all of these different ways that they can beat you, and those things are not going to go away. I continue to believe that they're likely to, lo to lose Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown has made a lot of noise about money's not everything, and the team definitely wants him back, and he wants to come back. I think that's all well and good. I think when his agent calls next week and is like, hey, there's two offers on the on the on the table for you for either two years and 40 million or four years, 60 million. Do you want to take the $8 million option as the only guaranteed money? Everybody wants to be somewhere until that's the choice. And the nuggets literally cannot offer Bruce Brown more. This is not a nuggets cheapness factor. This is, they are restricted by the CBA and offering Bruce Brown more in a raise. They can do a one-year deal on make good and then do it but you risk injury or something else happening. And then you've also got the apron concern. So I expect Bruce Brown to be gone, but the starting five's locked in. They're all there on, on long-term contracts. Nikola Jokic is only going to be 28. Jamal Murray is only going to be 26. Uh, Aaron Gordon's only going to be 28. Like down the list, all of these guys are not, they are not aging out. They have good players in the pipeline. Peyton Watson was really impressive when he played this season. They are very high on what he's going to be capable of. Christian Brown worked his way into a championship rotation in his rookie season. That's massive. So all signs point here. The Nuggets are definitely the rightful favorite. Now, Brandon, we come to the next question, which is we can all agree that this number is right, but should you bet it? No, no. not right now. Not right now. We're going to talk. We come back to this point frequently, I think, but 
a lesson that I, the futures analyst, have learned over and over this season and in the NFL season, and a lesson that we really should know. Just I'm relearning and seeing over and over again. Futures are a marathon. Futures are not a sprint. I know we just got the odds up. I know it's the new season. It's the off season. We see MVP odds now. Run, run and bet. Get your bets in right away. Like that's the instinct. It's fun. We want to get our bets in. It's fine. You can get a couple of bucks in if you want. We're betting on a thing that's going to be, we're giving our money away for 365 days effectively or close to it. And more importantly, I don't really buy the argument of like, well, I don't want to let them hold my money for so long. I'll let them hold my money as long as they need to, if I'm going to win it back. That's not the problem. The problem to me is that the number is going to change. We are going to get a better chance at some point to bet the nuggets at the, at a better rate number. Now that can mean a lot of things. It could mean heaven forbid could mean a major injury to a nuggets player. And now they kind of stink for a couple of months before that player comes back. And now that bought a dip and that bought a dip in the number. That would be one reason. It could just be that a, a big trade shakeup comes, or maybe, you know, the we already know people love the Suns. They've got Durant, they've got Booker, Durant and Booker get whoever else to come out and join the Suns. And now they're the favorites. And by definition, that probably means that the number comes down for the Nuggets or, you know, who, there's always a next hot thing in the NBA it is a long season. You know, listeners, you had to listen to us all year long, tell you stuff, but then like two months later, be like, yeah, remember that thing that we said? Well, that's over. Here's the new thing that's happening now. It's a long season. It even It's a long playoffs. And there might even be a spot to bet Denver as the title favorite, maybe even at a shorter number than this, but with more value to the number that you're getting. This year, that was a case where the East suddenly was opening up. Milwaukee disappeared, Philadelphia and Boston, the guys were getting injured and tired, and suddenly the possible Denver path opened up a lot better. So yes, they're the right favorite, but most of the time, it's not the right pick to make the favorite. Denver is not the right the, the favorite that like the Warriors were or anything like that. And I don't even mean just the Durant Warriors. I would say like the 2016 Warriors is obviously that, team ran off 73 wins, but going into the year, they, this Denver team is not that Warriors team. They are the favorite among a plurality of favorites right now, right? That's the thing we saw all season is we didn't know if there was a truly great team. We got one, we got a, a genuinely great run, but that doesn't necessarily make them unimpeachable now. Like if we have to argue about is Jamal Murray 15th or 20th or 25th or somewhere in that range, if we have to argue that, then by definition, we're not saying like, oh, this is Shaq and Kobe now. No, this is, this is not Kobe. This is not two top five or whatever you want to rank those guys to be. Yeah, They're the right no, team. I mean, they're, it's, they're, certainly not, it's certainly not yeah. Kobe. Jamal's official. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing that I think needs to be um, kind of looked at here too is you mentioned like the injury stuff. So there's a couple of things. You mentioned like the the, the trades right and that's gonna there will be a major move that like reshapes what happens in terms of the market there will be a move i think that will dramatically shift somebody over the nuggets because they'll just be like a lot of hype i'm expecting it from the suns quite honestly that's yeah. the one that i think that i think probably i think so too then from there here's the other thing jamal murray and nicole Jokic currently are slated to play in fiba world cup for team canada and team serbia respectively i will just tell you like Joker may not come to training camp at all. 
<laughs> Joker may not be in preseason. Like Joker may show up for ring night and then like work his way into shape and not like, I would not be shocked if he didn't play on opening night. It would not shock me. Right. They will probably, he'll probably like want to play just as like a, yeah, he's going to play on a ring night. Come on. But like, he's going to get there late. And those guys are going to be exhausted after a late playoff run. They get two weeks in June and three weeks in July, and then it's training camp in Serbia and Canada for FIBA World Cup. And then they're right back into it. There's some talk that Jamal may miss it because he's coming off the injury for the ACL. Like, may just not be able to do it because of the championship. All that said, like, there will be a point this season where we're going to, and we, I need you to help me. We got to find that mark, that moment. We got to find that point where it's like, boy, the Nuggets just don't look the same. Like, nothing's going right, blah, 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 blah. As long as it's not Joker's out the entire year, knock on wood, as long as that's not the case, we got to be ready to to find that moment and bet the Nuggets because come May, they are still the team that I don't think that you want to mess with. I still still think that they're the best team. A couple other things too. Jamal Murray, age 26. It's been a few years since I updated this study, but I did a study a while back on just like the ages for different players. Age 25, 26 is really about when point guards in the NBA start to hit their peak. So this is not necessarily like this great hot shooting run by Jamal Murray. A hot shooting run does not last for two months of playoffs. Uh, seven weeks, apparently, if you're the Miami Heat. But if you're the if you're Jamal Murray, like this is just who you are. This in my notes when I came out of my hibernation from the NFL and kind of caught back up, ready to 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 go full speed. January, February, Jamal Murray was on a heater, and the Nuggets were on a 13 and two stretch. Jamal Murray was posting like a five or six BPM. We've talked about how that's like in five plus is all NBA level. That's what Jamal Murray was playing like then. And the Nuggets had like the seventh best defense then, the top offense, they were crushing teams. Then Jamal got hurt, played a little bit, had the all-star break, and then we know what happened with the Nuggets after the all-star break. We'll come back to that later. But I think seeing what that Jamal Murray looked like then and then seeing him do all that again for the entirety of a playoff run, and we've seen parts of that before in the bubble, this is not bubble Jamal Murray this is breakout Jamal Murray. This is the player that he became and is becoming as he got healthy. Like this is the breakout age for a point guard. And really he's still a little bit early because he basically missed two years along the way with yeah. all the injury stuff. So that matters. And two, I wrote the article before the, the finals. What do we do with these debut teams making the finals? And some of the teams that kind of fluked their way into it, they lost as expected but I compared them to teams like the 99 Spurs to the Warriors in 2015, even though they'd been there, but 40 years before uh, to the 91 Bulls, even though that felt like sacrilege at the time, those teams all won. What they also did was kept winning afterward. They kept coming back again, 18 teams in my study, nine of them made the finals again the next year. So that's Denver. Now Denver got there. They won. I think that, I would say right now, if I had to pick any team to be in the finals next year from either conference, it has to be Denver. I expect finals games we played in Denver next year right now. That's the most likely scenario to me. Question number two, what the hell happened to the East before the playoffs? <laughs> your best bet. And this is not me trying to like, no, it was anti anti victory lap you. Cause I think it was, I think you were right at the time. Your best bet at the time before the playoffs was the East to win the championship. I forget what the number was. 
Um, it yeah, was a couple of times. It, it was like a minus 110 and a minus 130. I gave it out multiple times. It clearly didn't hit for me. It did not work out well at all. Yeah. And the reason I'm not saying that Boston would have beaten Denver and I'm not saying Milwaukee would have beaten Denver. Both of those series would have been much more competitive because both those teams were really good. And then instead, the Nuggets faced a Heat team. And if you want to read about the Heat, we'll talk about them here. But I have an article up that kind of like, I came I came not to praise the Heat, but to bury them, to quote old Willie Shakespeare. Like, look, cute run, adorable. We can be realistic about what this Heat team was. And they got, they made it all the way to the finals before they got exposed. And then they got exposed, and that's why they lost in five. Um what what do we make of this, Brandon? Like, how do we break down? I, I was on like, hey, the Bucks are getting way too much respect in the market. Look at the underlying numbers here. This team is not that good. I didn't play against it enough. We I'm so mad about the play-in tournament timing. We didn't do a one-eight series preview. <laughs> and I bet the over on heat plus two and a half because I was like, the series is gonna go seven. The heat are gonna drag them to seven <laughs> games. It didn't need it did not go seven. Because the Heat beat them in five. Because, look, the Giannis injury matters here. But the Bucks falling apart like that is, uh, to me, is a, a much larger structural problem. I'm not willing to give Boston a pass, a pass. The Sixers are who we thought they were, right? I do wonder if the Sixers had not faced Boston in the second round, what happens. Maybe Joel's injury was what would decide it. But when you look at this and you look at that bet, again, I want to stress, I think it was a good bet at the time. But when we look at what happened to the Eastern Conference, how do we reconcile that going into next season with how to bet futures? Yeah, the, the, have to comment on the Heat thing. The, the Heat are interesting because, like, you and I both got a lot of crap for not giving the Heat credit all the way along the path. Like, our Twitter mentions, both of us, just, just yep. you know, we've got a, a few notable Heat listeners and followers. Thanks for listening, who are just up in our grill about not giving the Heat any credit. We gave the Heat credit. I saw from our notes, remember, Matt, you and I did a podcast, I think right before the playoffs on like, what if this weird thing happened? What if this went wrong? And we had like 10 scenarios of like, well, what if it's not Boston Milwaukee in the Eastern finals? What went wrong? How did that happen? And we kind of like pre-explained how could some of these weird outcomes happen? We had a scenario. What if the Lakers make the Western conference finals? How did that happen? Well, they, they beat up on somebody in the play-in. They beat the Grizzlies and the Kings. Didn't end up being the Kings. But we basically gave the answer to that's how the Lakers could get there. We also had, uh, and I, I think that we we kind of didn't understand what I was trying to get at. We had one where it was, what if there's no East 1, 2, 3, or 4 seed in the Eastern Finals? And basically, we, we ruled out the Knicks. We ruled out the other teams. We said, both of us, the Heat are the team that would have to be the answer there. The Heat are the sleeping giant because it, they always are going to take you to a long series. They always have Jimmy Butler and Spo. Like, this stuff was out there. And I think to me that matters on this East to win the title bet because I think that we just got an Eastern outcome scenario that we get like one out of 100 times or something. Like, this, this is the scenario where the cap was, I felt like there were four championship caliber teams. They were Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Denver. Not necessarily in that order, but Denver last is how I capped it at the time. I wanted East to win the title because, heaven help me, 
three of the four teams that I thought could win the title were in the East. And it seemed incredibly implausible to me that one of those three would not be the team coming out of the East. That's just how my math worked. Like if three title teams are all in it, the whole point was, well, sorry, Philadelphia. I kind of believe that you are a good enough caliber team to win the title, but you're the third best team in your own conference. So I guess I can't believe that you are. Turns out there was other reasons too. The reasons we thought all along the East had the three teams. Giannis got hurt. I don't think you're giving enough credit to Giannis got hurt. He came back and played. I know he only missed two games really. Cause he didn't play most of one. He was playing with like a broken back at the time. Like he, he is the guy I think we need to take away from that series. Get out of here with Brooke Lopez, defensive player of the year. Like Giannis is everything on both sides of the team. Your usage thing that we're going to talk about of a guy having too high of usage. That was a Milwaukee problem. Also, that was Giannis. So Giannis got hurt. Joel Embiid got hurt and Jason Tatum got hurt. The three teams in the East that we were betting on all had their superstar or whatever you want to call Jason Tatum, their best player on their team, get hurt at a key moment. That's not an asterisk. That's not an apology. That is the thing that happened in the Miami Heat fought hard and took advantage of it. And good for them for doing it. They get credit for it. They made the finals. This all counts. My question about the what happened to the East is, I think we read the East perfectly fine. I think Miami was always going to be a tough team. And they were there and they took advantage of the of the, the chessboard that was presented to them. My question on did I make a bad bet is not about the East. I feel fine about the East read. Any of those three teams would have had home court in the finals and I think would have been pretty clearly favored against Denver. My question for you, Matt, I didn't really give Denver much of a chance to win a title because even though I thought I was pretty confident they're the only title team I had in the West, I thought they would not beat any of those three East teams. I didn't Mm. like the matchup for any of the three. And to me, I think that's where the bet maybe went sour for me. Obviously, it really went sour because Denver did win. But to me, was that a bad bet is not a question about did I read the East wrong? I read the East fine. I'd make that part of the bet every single time again. My question is, did I not give Denver enough credit to get there? And we don't know because we didn't get to see it, unfortunately. I wish that we had. But should I have taken Denver more seriously and not had them fourth on my list of four. Yeah, we both should have. I got fooled by the the March th- stuff, and we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But from you, I will just tell you, like, the matchup for Milwaukee is bad. They've struggled with Denver consistently. Denver has the, the pieces to really put, pr- like, a lot of what what Milwaukee does. They're so good on the interior. It doesn't matter when you're facing Nikola Jokic. He breaks you down. Now you're helping, and now they're leaving open threes, and now it's in trouble. Um, Boston, their lack of size would be a real issue with Robert Williams really not being the same player. We didn't. We kind of glossed over that too much. Like they wouldn't yeah. have. They would have been able to run Horford and, and with Williams on the backside, which is a better defensive scheme than anybody else had. Like the Boston Celtics had the best chance of doing it. The Sixers, quite honestly, I'll just tell you, like the Nuggets would have killed. Like, I'm just telling you right now, like they would have killed the Sixers and everyone will point back to that game in January. The Nuggets were up double digits in that game and had a bad streak with a stretch of shooting with Nikola Jokic out. They had weird turnovers. Go back and watch that game and really ask yourself if you think that that was a sustainable model over seven games. It was not. Nuggets would have beaten the Sixers in six. So I think there you kind of missed. Um, I missed them for different reasons, which we'll get to later. The other thing I will say on the East is just... I'm not willing to give the Bucs a pass because they were already down in that game one with when Giannis got hurt. Sure. And they took it to them. And I will say this, like there was a lot of conversation about is Giannis going to play in game three, I think is the, is the three, one. Yeah. Yeah. In game three. And 
there was a sense around the league that they held him out because they were like, we can afford this. And you couldn't. Yeah. And <laughs> the reality is like the Bucks bought into their own record and did not have any of the underlying stuff. Like all of the underlying stuff that you and I pay attention to screamed Milwaukee's not that good. And I, you know, I didn't bet yeah. against them hard enough because I should have trusted that more than the record. But there I was like, well, they keep winning games. They won 16 in a row, blah, 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 blah. Should have faded them a little bit more. <laughs> Boston, who let's get to this one right now. Let's move this question up a little bit because this is actually number number three in our rundown. Boston turned a miraculous corner in January 2022. They were a, a 500 team and, and they were floundering. They turn around and they become the best team in the league for four months. And they make the finals. And you and I bet them to beat the fucking Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry. They lose that series. They come back. I fade the hell out of them. They win all of these games in the regular season behind an incredible offensive performance in January or in December. November and December is really where they made bread. They turn back and it's closer to what they were. Their overall numbers are really good. They get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And Brandon, like you will always talk about the Jason Tatum injury in game seven. And I understand it. Brandon, they were down 3-0. Like, yeah. It was a miracle for it took Derek White for them to get to game seven. So at Correct. some point we got to recognize. And he, so here's the thing. I faded him last year and I lost a lot of money on that under ticket on the Boston Celtics. What the hell do we do with Boston going into 2023, 24? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Boston being down 3-0 matters. Miami gave themselves a chance to only have to win one in four games. And if you give yourself that chance, you might luck into the other player rolling his ankle. Like you've earned the right to be able to do that. And also, I absolutely a million percent think Miami won game six. I thought the Heat got completely robbed in that game. The Heat were the right winner in that series, the way things played out. They gave themselves that chance going up 3-0. The Celtics went down 0-3. So that has to be part of it. I think to me, this is going to sound like praise when I mean it like slander. And I'll explain which part is which. I think the Celtics are the new era San Antonio Spurs. I've talked about this in the past a little bit. I think that the Spurs greatness is a little bit overrated looking back Ooh. in the last two decades. Ooh, God. I think that the Spurs, and frankly, without naming names, the stars on the Spurs to the same thing. I think the Spurs were not always, I don't know that they were really ever the awesome, awesome, great, unbeatable behemoth champion team. Like if if you could somehow time machine all the champions of this century and put them into a tournament, I think, or, or like a round robin or something, I think the Spurs teams, most of them would come in near the bottom. I think the better chance, like there are other teams that were better, higher ceiling champions, but it doesn't matter. Banners fly forever, flags fly forever, just like the Denver one does. The Spurs greatness to me, was not that they were the best team, unimpeachable, come get us, we're going to beat you every single year. They had that a few times. Their greatness is that for like 20 straight years, they were a top three or top five team over and over and over and over again. Like, I remember when poker started becoming a thing. Uh, Chris Moneymaker was the big World Series of Poker thing guy. And we started all watching. Well, not all of us. I'll speak for myself. I started watching a lot of poker on ESPN. And... It was always like you get to a final table of this huge event, a thousand people and all the internet people, tens of thousands of people. And you'd be like, oh, that guy again at the final table. Ah, ah, those three again. It's, it's the same dudes over and over. And then it's like, wait, how, how is that happening though? Poker is a game of luck and a game of chance. And how can this happen? How can the same guys get there? 
And how do they keep winning? Well, it turns out if you're the Spurs and you make the final table over and over and over again because you're good enough to get there, you give yourself chances to win. Sometimes you get to the final table with not the best hand. Sometimes you get there and you have a decent hand, but the other guy just busted out a straight draw or some terrible analogy. We're done with poker. To me, the Celtics are the Spurs. I don't think they're the best team, but I think that they clearly for like four years now, five years, six years, I don't even know how long this has gone. They've made a lot of Eastern Conference finals. They're getting to the final table at the poker event and they're giving themselves a chance. I think if you played out the stretch of six seasons or whatever this has been, I think in most scenarios, Boston has at least one championship. I think they're a little bit unlucky to not have at least one by now. They've been there. They've had a chance. They had a real good chance against the Warriors. You and I both thought that. They, I, I think that they would have had a chance against the Nuggets. I would have strongly considered picking them to beat the Nuggets had they won game seven, presuming that Jason Tatum was healthy. I would have strongly considered Boston in that finals. So I think that we can't judge too much on what the Celtics are because I think that they are what they've been. They've been a team that is probably almost definitely not the super elite, crazy ruler of worlds team we saw for a while last year. But we were skeptical of that at the time, that that was the incredible shooting offense. That's the part that we were skeptical about, rightfully so, it seems. And the defense, which is really good and didn't really, to me, that's what failed them in this year's playoffs. Boston never really managed to get the whole package all together this year. Offense, defense, the whole thing. But I think they're at the final table. And to me, that's why I wouldn't blow it up. I wouldn't trade away Jalen Brown. I wouldn't do anything. The, the lesson for me is not that the Celtics did something wrong or whatever. I mean, they're, they're, they, I mean they did. They went down 0-3. They did, they did wrong things. But the lesson is just that they are not the best team. They weren't the best team, partly because they don't have the best superstar to win. And that's the thing we'll get to later. And that's it. I, I'm not ready to bury Boston. I'm not going to not bet Boston next year. I think they're going to be right in the mix as certainly as anyone. To me, the stuff I said about Denver being there and being the most likely, Boston's the next one to me. They're just right there again. They're really good. They're good year after year. And I think they're fine. And I don't want to overreact to it. Did the Spurs ever go down 0-3 as a top two seed? Probably not. No. Did the Spurs ever face a team fa that hit 97% of its jumpers in those three games? Yes, like the Mavericks. <laughs> like they did. And like, so I, I think you're, I, I do not, I do not agree with your comparison. I will not, I will not exaggerate my position. Uh, your poker analogy, I think is great though, with just like getting to the final table. But the difference is like, there's something to that. That does take greatness. Uh, Phil Ivey, by the way, would be my, my World Series of Poker comparison for them. Um, as far as Boston goes, look, I'm sorry. That offense goes to absolute shit at the worst times. Their offense is not the biggest problem with Boston. They do not have go-to mechanisms. Like Bill Simmons talked a lot about how in on his pod about Jokic being the blankie, where it's like nothing's going right. Let's go to our safety option, which is like Nicole Jokic is going to create something in the high post, mid post, low post. The Celtics do not have that. They have their pick and roll is not a part of their game. They do not have that. And so you see these long stretches, go back and look at their shot selection in game seven. Not, not the shooting, the shot selection. That's not Spurs. Like their defensive focus and intensity. That's not Spurs. Like, like there is, I'm sorry. There is no comparison here with the Spurs <laughs> who they may have lost, but the Spurs would lose because the other team was better. 
And if the other team was on a hot streak, they would mitigate their strategies, shift, and figure out what they needed to do to compete. They solved the problems. This Boston team does not have problem-solving ability. They have not had to adjust. If we look at that Sixers series when they were down 3-2, did they have, did they face a problem and have to adjust it? They made one key addition, which is they cut, they guarded the pick-and-roll, the pick-and-pop short roll from Joel Embiid better. They brought much better help on that specific mechanism. Why were you leaving the one shot Joel Embiid wants open in the first place? Like the coaching gap alone is massive here. Al sure. Horford's getting older. I am. I, I, I want to see the numbers, but I'm prepared to go back in and I'm prepared to bet against Boston again because I genuinely, <laughs> Brandon, do not know if all we saw was a year of fluke performance from them. And we're going to, they're going to, they're going to turn back into a pumpkin at some point. Um, what's the threshold for betting futures right now? Like if we look at, I don't know that you and I have a number that we can be like, it's X. You're better at the math side than I am. So my question for you is like, what's like a starting point for, all right, at this level, I'm willing to start looking at investing in a, in a title future right now. I don't think that there's a number, which is inconvenient because a number would be a much easier answer. It'd be easier, right? I, I think that, again, it's the thing I kind of got into before. So I'll try to keep it brief here. It's a marathon, not a sprint. We have a long, long time to invest in futures. We have a long off season. We have a very, very long season. There are going to be chances. Look, Nikola Jokic, at one point this year, not to do the MVP thing again, at one point this year, he was totally off the radar. He was like 20 to one, I believe, or 18 to one or something. We talked about it on buckets that like, oh, he's still playing pretty well. Just the rest of the team hasn't been that great. And then at a different point this season, he had a minus in front of his name, rightfully so, and was the clear favorite. And I declared the race over. And you rightfully said, I don't think it's over. I think there's more to say on this. Turns out there was. It's a long season. The numbers on these things change a lot over time. To me, if I'm betting, especially now before the draft, before free agency, before everything else, if I'm going to make a bet right now in a future, any future number that I'm making at any point, the idea is, did I get value on the bet? And importantly, right now, Am I getting a number that I can't get later? And if I'm betting Milwaukee or Denver or a plus 600 or plus 800, a thousand, there's almost no chance I can't get that number later. So I only want to bet long shots down the board, bets that I'm expecting to lose down the board because I think maybe that number gets a lot shorter later. Getting like uh, when we get to our long shots, I have 130 to one title odds. I have two of them. The difference in 130 to one to like a 50 to one long shot in implied percentage is almost nothing. I've gone from like almost 1% to 2%. Very little has changed. The difference in payout for me is two and a half times as much money. Like a massive, massive difference there. My $10 turning into 500 or turning into over a thousand. So the title, the, the futures threshold is just looking down the board enough to, to get guys or players, teams, whatever you're betting, where you can't get them later. Get the number that you have to grab now because you're so sure it just isn't going to be available. All right, that's part one of our top 10 questions for the NBA offseason. We'll be back with part two. You can check that out in the feed. Make sure to check that out. My thanks to David Payne, our producer. We'll see you again next time as we continue our top 10 questions of the offseason here. And until you see us again, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. 
If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.